Welcome to episode 18, I think, of uh, the Romantic About Baseball podcast. I am your host, Adam McKinnon, joined as always by my co-host, Jim Passon Jr. Jim? Oh, how we doing in the midst of this here Mookie Best David Price saga oh. that still continues to go on? You know, it's it's not even, it's like the, the gift that we like won't stop giving even if we want it to stop giving it wouldn't let me sleep and now it just still won't let me sleep yeah i don't know yeah I mean, imagine broke living, it so late the other night imagine yeah. living in boston we need grief counselors and uh and also but welcome to our guest today guest number one mr jeff weiser of baseball prospectus how are you i'm good i'm i'm just glad to be here thank you guys thank you both uh adam and jim for having me it's it's a pleasure oh yeah man we're, we're thrilled to have you you know it's uh you know one of the things that i uh when we initially started talking you know obviously you know we i we know of your work we, you know formerly with the athletic but also with uh you know the rattle following the diamondbacks things like that but uh with baseball prospectus uh you've been putting out some really interesting pieces lately and um, I kind of wanted to talk to you specifically about your most recent work without giving too much away now. If you, you know, you should, anyone out there should subscribe to Baseball Prospectus. But we, we want to uh, kind of tell us, um, can you first explain Pakoda? I think I'm pronouncing that right. And, yeah, then, and then what the concept of the article is. Yeah, so Pakoda is um, Baseball Prospectus's long running projection system. Um, and it was originally sort of, um, you know, uh, developed by people like Colin Wires, uh, people like Nate Silver. Um, and it's kind of been through several iterations, if you will. Um, but yeah, today was Pakoda Day at BP. So that's that's a big Woo. deal for us. That's uh, it's like our Christmas, I guess. Nice, nice. Um, so, yeah. And the the piece I wrote um, that actually got published today was uh, about pitchers who Pocota doesn't like so much and, and not just trying to cherry pick, uh, some guys that have bad projections. Trust me. It's, it's a giant spreadsheet. There are a lot of bad projections, right. bad pitchers. <laughs> um, but I identified some guys who I think sort of in the public sphere, right? Like we have this feeling about how good they are. Um, and I went through Pocota and tried to find some guys that, um, Pocota just wasn't so hot on. Interesting. Okay. So now the, there's a lot of projections out there and it's hard to nail down. And in one, and you know, I think the problem with the, the trap that we get into in, in the baseball world is saying, well, this is better than that. This is uh, more accurate. This is less accurate. You know, with such a randomized game of baseball, I don't think that there's a better or worse projection system out there. Um, but like for just to, as a sort of point of comparison as best you can like for example our, our guest last week was dan Simborski, who, uh, who of course does the zips projections so can you as what what separates pakoda from those other sets of projections that we see out there yeah um first of all dan is great uh, i really enjoyed the last show um Dan is tremendous. Uh, I just I enjoy that guy. Oh yeah, um, he's hilarious. He's a treasure. He is hilarious. He's, he's a, a treasure. Dan, if you're listening, you're a treasure. <laughs> yeah, and I sort of cringe. I was like, oh man, I'm going after Dan. Um, <laughs> but no, Dan. Dan obviously has his Zips projections, which again is another quality projection system. Um, you know, and, and Harry Pavlidis and Jonathan Judge, among others, um, are really the people behind Pakoda today, and. I think one of the things for me that I feel very strongly about about Pakoda is the inputs. Um, I, I don't I don't know the guts of every other projection system, but I feel extremely confident 
in the inputs into Pakoda. Um, you know, it's one thing to, for example, call out a strikeout rate. Mm. It's another thing to look at the way in which the strikeouts were generated as that will provide another clue as to what to expect going forward, if that makes sense. Yeah. So right. um, I really, I really, I really appreciate really the work of, of Harry and Jonathan um, and really using like, not just, I mean, you know, I think for a lot of folks, we think of projection systems like, well, you know, this batter struck out 25% of the time last year, he'll strike out 25% of the time this year. Right. Um, there are a lot of other little nuanced things that may adjust that. And so um, up at the side today, another piece that, that Jonathan actually penned um, has some breakdown about really what's into Pakoda. People are interested in looking at that, um, along with sort of a comparison between Pakoda, Steamer, and Zips on, uh, a, a, on a couple of issues and, and sort of showing that Pakoda seemed to be a little stickier and a little more predictive uh, than those other systems. Okay, got it. Nice. Uh, so I, I, I love the Pakoda thing. I mean, when it comes out and everybody goes nuts over it, right? Because it's not just players, too. It's also team projection, right? So um, it gives everybody a chance to be like, wait, you said what about the Mets? You said what about so-and-so? And then it's like the all-star break. They're referring back to you again, right? It's like four months into the season. It's like, wait a minute. These sons, I guess they were so close. They're so right, right? And then there's some that you can't, yeah, I mean, you can't get everything right. I mean, you can't predict injuries no matter how hard you try. You can put that in your aging and stuff like that. But uh, it's, it is it is pretty fun to go back and just see some of the stuff that, you know, the projection system saw as, as viable and then I'll watch it pan out. Pakoda does a great job at that, I believe. Yeah, I do too. And there's just so much that, there's so many limitations that every uh, projection system is going to be working under like what rookie talks to a veteran this spring in camp and it's like oh hey i changed my slider grip now right <laughs> um, i'm sorry man pakota doesn't know that that conversation is about to happen in six weeks like it just oh. can't know that so yeah. um there there are limits but i do appreciate pakota so when you and that you know that brings up an interesting point you know um, and and I I asked Dan this question too and I'll kind of I'll kind of you know parlay the same question to you you know it, it's hard to how do you mold the spreadsheet with the uh, with I call it the out as you, I'll use a pun on your Twitter handle the outfield grass how do you how do you sort of blend the intangibles with what you're doing like when you look at a guy and I'll just I'll use an example from the Diamondbacks. I am like slobbering over Christian Walker right now. And like, you know, the the things that you see from from that like the the insane hard hit rate, the 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 size, the the swing, you know, all of these things. Cattell Marte, I mean, god, don't tell anyone. I mean, this is going on the podcast, but like I absolutely dropped Cattell Marte in like mid-April of this season in my fantasy league cuz I was like there's no way he's going to sustain this. It's just one of those things. How do you mold the actual what you're seeing versus what pans out on the on Pakoda? Yeah, I think one of the discussions we've had kind of internally has been around, um, you know, around some of the Statcast data and some of that when it's necessary is baked into Pakoda. Um, but there tends to be a stronger correlation between production from year to year than say some of these things like uh, barrels per plate appearance or something. Right. So uh, Pakoda hedges in that regard. However, Christian Walker is someone that, that <laughs> like yourself, I have my eye on. Um, I mean, he plays a, a big position for the team that I cover the most. Um, and, you know, one of the things with Christian Walker that I think is really interesting is that um, despite his age and despite what he did last season, he really doesn't have that many big league plate appearances under his belt. So for someone his age, I feel like there is a chance for him to find another gear, more so than we would typically expect from someone maybe like, you know, in their late 20s. Sure. Um, it's not like he has this slew of like five big league seasons to look at. It's a lot of up and down, you know, him serving as a pinch hitter, and then having to go back to AAA, come up, get a start, be a pinch hitter, go back to AAA. Um, I do think there's a human element that weighs in, and I, and I, I tend to 
um, make my own sort of mental adjustments on those kinds of items. I'll just say that uh, if in terms of breaking even, uh, my mental adjustments, I'm about 500 on them. Right. <laughs> half of them are right. Half of them are wrong. And Pakoda tends to just cut right through the middle. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So the, when you're when you're looking at you know, and this is a, this is kind of a nice little segue, uh, going you know talking about Christian Walker and, and things like that. Is there anyone more migraine inducing when you're trying to do projections than say, and obviously we're just diving right into the Diamondbacks here, than Robbie Ray? No, he is the <laughs> crux of our frustration. Um, you know, it's super tantalizing. Uh, can go out at times, rack up 12 strikeouts in five innings. Mm-hmm. But he gets pulled after five innings because it took him 112 pitches <laughs> to get through five innings. That curveball is just the absolute most – his breaking stuff is just mesmerizing. When he, when he, when he's got it, it, it is mesmerizing. So, and I'm, I'm curious about guys – and using Robbie Ray as an example, guys that just defy the projections. Like you look at them and you just see. For me, being in a, a, you know, in a Braves fan, it was Sean Newcomb when he first came up. I was like watching him and thinking like, whoa, that curveball is such a hammer. And he throws 97, easy gas. And it just never worked out. So, you know, kind of molding the two things here with the Diamondbacks and the projections, how do you how do you look at players and it like have you have you seen a player in that ilk where it's like you know this dude has got the goods, but it just doesn't work out? Yeah, and I think that's where I think a projection system helps us from getting maybe a little carried away because at times the eye test, like you're talking about, the eye test that we see when it just looks so good on some of those days, and then he'll go out and just throw a clunker um, or really scuffle. I mean, one of the things for him that that I haven't seen talked about a lot, but, you know, there was a time, you know, a year and a half, two years ago where, I mean, he was pushing the upper 90s regularly from the left side. And we don't see that very much in baseball, not even out of the bullpen. Um, And last season, he was a lot more like 92, 93. He could still, you know, run it up there, 96 at times. But more frequently, he was sort of more 92, 93. So, um, but what's funny is it just didn't really seem to hurt him. Like, you look at his strikeout rate, it's still absurd. Um, You look at his walk rate, it's also still absurd right <laughs> uh and if you do if you do filter through pitchers who get hit hard he is virtually always at or near the top so he's like this guy that just lives and dies with his strikeouts and if he's not getting them it's going to be a long day right jim what do you jim what are you seeing on the diamondbacks and you know this year like you know talking about a couple of teams you know i'm I, I, is the, I mean, we mentioned it off air, right? The, how the team is just built this year and versus years in past, uh, how it's not really overly homegrown, how it's not really young, but it's not really old either. Right. It seems like it's a bunch of 28, 29 year old players. Uh, I, but I mean, one of the young ones for me that really gets me that I, he draws a lot of attention on Twitter is Zach Gallen. I mean, what kind of trade is that that you pick him up for what you did with Miami? I mean, it, it seems like his just the short amount of time that we've gotten gotten to see him, right? That he's he's incredible, right? I mean, we can't take a short sample size or small sample size for everything, but I mean, it, it, people see this guy as like a a one B. I mean, I mean, he's he's not a number four pitcher, you know, so. I'm excited to see that this year. I mean, I, I love the offense. I love where it's sitting. But this pitching staff, picking up Madison Bumgarner, Robbie Rabian is crazy as you talk about, Luke Weaver. But Zach Allen really interests me. What do you got for me on Zach Allen? Yeah, I, I'm right with you. Um, I think that he was, in my opinion, I think the Diamondbacks did really well there. Um, Jazz Chisholm is exciting. He's fun. I've I've seen him play. He swings hard. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's fun. Uh, it's really fun. Grab your popcorn if you, if you want to watch that. Um, but Gallon is it, – it's just – that is so hard to find. The young, controllable starting pitcher. Um, it's something that a team with a payroll situation like the Diamondbacks always have a need for. Um, and I think his stuff is above average. Um, and he's one of the guys that I think one of the few guys in baseball who mixes above average stuff with above average command. So, 
to me, I think, I don't know that the ceiling is extremely high, but I do expect him to be more reliable, more dependable, start after start, year after year, um, than we see quite often. He is young. I mean, that stuff could come around even further, but I don't think he's going to lose the command, and that's a great place to start. Um, And I think when we kind of look at the Diamondbacks pitching in the aggregate, you know, if you just swap out Madison Bumgarner for Zach Greinke, that's a net negative. Um, you're not going to get Granky-like performance out of Madison Bumgarner. It's just right. not going to happen. Right. Um, but you get, you know, most of or almost a you know full season out of Zach Gallon. He's ready to take his innings count up. Um, you look at a guy like Luke Weaver, who had a good season a year ago. Um, Pakoda's not quite as high on him. Uh but it's still good, uh, just not as good. Uh, but he, you know, he only threw just over 60 innings last year before his elbow um, acted up. He was able to, you know, avoid Tommy John surgery. Um, you know, really at the doctor's urging, they said it wasn't necessary, and he looks healthy. He made an appearance in September. So when you look at maybe getting 120 innings out of a guy like Weaver and more innings out of Gallon. Um, you know, you start to see, okay, maybe they can make up the gap in swapping Bumgarner for Granky, and then it all kind of, you know, holds steady. Right. So can, can I tell you, by the way, you know, one of the, if, if there's not a stat or a metric for this. The For this team, me, this has got to be, I don't know why, this team is just loaded with so many players I am so intrigued by. Um, you know, at the very top of the depth chart was Star. You know, the newest addition, you know, Starling Marte, Cattell Marte, Christian. We talked about Christian Walker, uh, David Peralta, underrated player. Um, Tim LaCastro. Tim, I was good. You beat me to the punch. Man, Everyone's uh, the internet's favorite player, Tim LaCastro. And there's one guy way down, way down on the depth chart that I want to ask you about as a guy who had so much talk about homegrown right uh john duplantier um like this this almost elite like what could be but what isn't like he's probably the most mysterious prospect i've seen in this system as long as i can remember um you know can you tell me a little tell us a little bit about what of all of the players we just talked about, you know, what's the one like it seems like you've got a team just full of potential breakouts. Could could you see this as a team that like enough breakouts just happen to happen at the same time and you've got a real I, I don't know what I don't know if I want to say contender against the Dodgers, but do, do you have a could you have a wild card team here? Yeah, I think that's the expectation. Um, you know, it it's going to be tricky. The NL is loaded. Um, you know, the Padres aren't going to go down easy. I don't think anyone's running the Dodgers down, whether they pull off this Mookie Betts deal or not. Um, But yeah, it is a really fun team. There are guys all over the diamond and throughout the pitching staff that look like they could take a step forward. Um, Cattell Marte did that a year ago. It would be really nice if like two or three other guys joined him this year. Um, To your question about Duplantier, he's a guy that I had a chance to interview right after he signed. Um, He showed up in Hillsborough really really intelligent articulate smart young man um but the reason that he i mean he was a first round talent based on his arm but um shoulder injuries at rice had really sort of set him back and that's why he slipped to where he slipped i think he was a third round pick so um he's had he still battled some of those injury issues and i'll tell you right now when i watch him pitch i can tell whether he's going to have success or not because if he can locate his fastball on both sides of the plate, he's going to have a good time. When he can't, it's a real short outing for him. So there's still a little bit of refinement to be done there. And, you know, the injuries, that's where the injuries, the development time take its toll. He can't be coached and working and pitching, you know, during that time that he shut down. So I think that's really robbed him of the chance to, you know, make quicker progress. Um, I don't think all hope is lost by any means, but right. it, it's really slowed him down. And so, yeah, I, I do try to sometimes think about putting myself in the shoes of a major league player. 
um, because that's as close as I'm ever going to get. But, you know, I think about, you know, ramping up, going through training, you you go through your stretching, you know, day after day, you're doing your workouts, you have a game plan, you execute, you're just like living this life of everything. And then you get hurt and the whole thing comes to a screeching halt. Mm. Yeah, especially that young, yeah. Yeah, so you stop for three months and then it's like, okay, you can pick up a ball, you know, you can stretch again. And I'm like, just trying to like, I, I feel like there's so much feel in pitching that if that were to get interrupted on a regular basis, it would be very difficult to achieve the best version of yourself. And so for DePlante, yeah, I think that's been an issue. Um, but a competitive kid, good stuff, um, and certainly a guy that I don't think they're going into the season counting on, but my goodness, he could be a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Jim. It's all the injuries you talk about that, it, and and the recoveries that even like the bullpen is probably not an option for him because I mean that's an all-out position, right? You're just giving everything you got every couple of days, and and if he if, it seems like starting pitching is where it's going to have to happen for him, and it just needs a clean bill of health, just needs a little good luck run, right? And then see if we can actually see the real deal out of him, and hopefully, yeah, we get to see that at some point this year, I believe. So yeah. tell me, tell me, Jeff, like, give me, you know, obviously there's a lot of players to like, you know, on this team. I, Cole Calhoun, underrated signing in right field. Um, so can you give uh, our listeners who may not know this team on such a granular level, uh, give us a, a pitcher and a hitter that no one's talking about but could, could jump on some radars this year? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, to me, I think I think a lot of the guys have, have started to really get attention. Um, but Christian Walker does seem like a candidate for a guy who could elevate himself from sort of this periphery discussion into something more meaningful. Um, I mean, you kind of look across, you know, some of the outfield spots. I mean, Starley Marte is probably going to be Starley Marte. Uh, asking for like a big step forward from guys like Calhoun or Peralta, like at their age, probably really isn't going to happen. Um, if you want a fun guy to watch, just watch Nick Ahmed play defense. Um, yeah, I didn't even get to him. I love Nick Ahmed, <laughs> <laughs> and he's a guy who he crushes left-handed pitching, but has like slowly been, you know, somewhat better against righties. So he's a guy too that's that also happens to be in a contract year, so he could really use. Um, really use a big boost on the pitching side of things um you know the guy that i'm looking forward to to making a big impact this year is archie bradley right um given his prospect pedigree and you know didn't work out in the rotation the bullpen's a good fit for him he's an intense guy he he doesn't mind the pressure trust me Mm -hmm. um but at the same time he kind of needs to take that step into sort of like elite closer territory and he just hasn't done that yet so um, he was fine in that role last year. He got moved into it partway through after the Greg Holland experiment expired. Um, <laughs> but it's really his job to lose this year. It's no more messing around. Like it's time to go out, get it done. You're playing in a tough division, and the National League is loaded, and you're going to be the closer on a team that's expected to make a good run at the playoffs. I think he's a guy that that really needs to take a big jump. That's awesome. with this. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Yeah, he uh, Brad Bradley really pumped it up last year with that K for nine. Uh, it's just problem with the walk for nine went with it. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, Jeff, uh, thank you, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, you know, for for a quick uh, little bit of time here. Um, so, d- tell tell our listeners where they can find your work. Yeah, you can find me weekly at Baseball Prospectus. Um, you know, I feel like it's very much worth a subscription. So. Um, if you haven't already, go to BP, sign up, take advantage of all of the fantasy analysis, the prospect analysis, and the major league analysis. There's a lot going on there every single day. Um, if anything about the Diamondbacks caught your ear and you'd like to learn more and follow along with the D-backs this season, it's going to be a good one. Um, you can find the work at our website called The Rattle. It's therattle.net. Um, and we have a semi-weekly podcast there as well. Um, and if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at the out, at outfieldgrass24. Awesome, thank you so and, much. And I gotta say, for baseball perspectives too, just they they throw some pretty good events. I went to the one in Chicago for the White Sox. Uh, I believe that was last year or the year before. And 
good grief, man. They get you right there with the GM. They they host a great event, get you tickets to the game. You get to meet all the people from baseball prospectus and then others from around the around the league. So they throw some great events on top of everything too. So baseball prospectus is huge. It's amazing uh, the effect that they have on the game. Awesome. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll look forward to having you again sometime. Yeah, would love to do it. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate yeah. it. Stay tuned after the break. Uh, fantasy expert Casey Bubba, host of the Benched with Bubba podcast, uh, will be joining us to help first-time or newer fantasy baseball managers navigate the upcoming season. We'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, again, uh, thank you so much for staying with us. Um, I wanted to introduce our next guest for the evening. Um, we have uh, Casey Bubba on the show What's today. How, thank you so much for joining us, man. No, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to talking a little fantasy baseball with you guys here. Absolutely. You know, this is something that, you know, on the show here, we, we've never really delved into this before. So, I was hoping that you could kind of be our guide a little bit and uh, talk to uh, not just us, but to our, a lot of our listeners that maybe like, you know, haven't done fantasy baseball before, or maybe they've done it before and like by June they were out of it. So they're, so they just gave up. Um, so I wanted to ask you a few questions as I would, I think you would be uh, your podcast bench with Bubba. Um, you know, you are, you're an expert. For all intents and purposes, right? Well, thank you. Thank you. I, <laughs> I, I like to think I am sometimes, but there's other days where I really don't feel like one. Yeah. So uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> and I only follow fantasy baseball people online that never get anything wrong. That's it. So. <laughs> That's true. Wow, the perfect the perfect follows right there. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It's, yeah. What a world that you have to try to live in to try to, you know, predict out everything for everybody in a fantasy world. Um, and then, yeah, if you're if you're wrong, and boy, people will let you know. And yeah. uh, if you're right, they just keep following. But uh, Bubba, I wanted to, to lead off with asking, you know, for our first time listeners, like what should a first time, what are the sort of do's and don'ts for a first time player going into looking to do fantasy baseball? What What are some do's and don'ts right away? Don't go into the really expensive leagues. I'll say that one right out the gate. Uh, right. <laughs> take your take your, ba- take your baby steps in there. Um, start with your friends. Start something small. Don't go crazy. Do something to have fun with it. Don't look to like make a living on anything. Don't look to make a million dollars. Uh, it's not a shot in the dark. Is it, well, it is a shot in the dark, but it's it's very very complicated. So if you're playing fantasy baseball, just kind of see what you like. Uh, a lot of people start out with the head-to-head formats because most people that come to fantasy baseball played fantasy football. So right. it's it's a very familiar basics on how that is and it's fun because fantasy is supposed to be fun that's like the biggest take home i try to echo as serious as it can be as you know all these different things that take place and people get angry like you mentioned and stuff in the end you're supposed to have fun right so like i almost have more fun in some of the leagues that have zero on the line it's literally just like a bunch of guys we get to talk some trash to each other and we have fun like that, that's the best so find a league you like. Like, don't just go join a league to join a league. Find something you like. Find a format. There's there's simple formats. There's goofy formats. There's you know there's all kinds of advanced stats now that they can incorporate. Tons of different ways to do it. Different platforms that um, will accompany what you're looking for. So that'd be my my just kind of intro thing to it is. Just take, just go into it and find a way to have fun. Like that's, that'd be a big, big thing. I'd suggest. Right. So I notice, you know, one of the things that um, a lot of people tell me when they're first thinking about getting started is that it's overwhelming. Like guys that have played fantasy football, right? It's one day a week and you're just glued to the TV and then that's it. Right. But, you know, for fantasy baseball, I mean, it's, it's 2,300 or plus games a year. So you figure that, you know, how did, what is your advice to somebody that, you know, it, it, I played fantasy football. I kind of, you know, I, I've done a goofy league with my friends. I'm thinking about moving up in the world. What are, um, w- what are some scoring formats that you think would be helpful to kind of help digest all of that? 
Like you could stick to the real simples, the normal five by fives, home runs, RBIs, runs, stolen base, batting average, the standards that have been in baseball forever for hitters. When it comes to pitchers, you have wins, ERA, whip is kind of new to some if you've never played, but it's pretty easy to grasp onto. Saves and strikeouts, really simple stats. There's obviously other ways to get to like advancing like OBPs and wins and saves and holds, all these different things. But that's simple. Five by five, that's kind of the standard of it. You can do the head-to-head. You can do rotisserie league, which is kind of a running tab. Rotisserie kind of gives you an idea of how the whole season plays out. Where head-to-head, you can have a bad week and really screw you over, different things like that. Or you can do points leagues. Some guys like points leagues because, you know, you get more points for certain categories than you get others. So you can draft different players. Like sometimes some leagues, steals are really good. So like Adalberto Mondesi is so much better in that league than he'd be in a regular league. So it makes players different, something you can learn there. But for like the football people that like the like kind of one day mindset for the most part, you can when you set up your league and pick your stats, whatever you want, but make it where you can only do your rosters once a week. Week- weekly leagues, it. right? Yeah, weekly leagues because there's weekly huh. leagues. There's bi-weekly. This is a new fun one that I started doing, like NFBC does and others, where you can change your offensive players Monday and Friday, but your pitchers only once a week. So that makes it kind of simple. Wow. Um, or you have daily leagues. Like if you're doing daily, you will get consumed because if there'll be someone outworking you at all times. And if you're in a daily league and you don't want to put the time in, you can you can become trouble there. So if you just want a nice, relaxing league, do a weekly league. It stinks if a guy gets hurt in the middle of the week because you can't move him out. That's part of the deal. But you set your roster before the first games on Monday and you play the week out. It's that simple. That's that's crazy. I mean, that's what was always a downfall for just a standard leaguer in, in my league that I always have. It's always the same five guys that come back. We haven't had a 12-team league in forever. It's just always 10 because we've scrapped together five more. But you know, every year it comes back. It's like, hey, you know, by halfway through the season, it was just getting to be too much, right? But... You know, I've been doing the same thing for 17 years or something like that. I, I didn't even realize the options were even there to be able to do things like, oh, I mean, weekly I've heard about, but bi-weekly also. So, and then I have no idea. Points League, I have no idea what you've been talking about there. Right. It's, yeah. it's uh, one of the things, and, and Jim's kind of tapping into something here. Sometimes folks don't even realize what what's out there for them and and one of the things uh, bub i don't know if you agree or not one of the things that we discovered see i've been i've been running the same league for almost 20 years and we did and what we discovered probably four or five years ago was the auction draft mm-hmm. so can you kind of elaborate a little bit because you'll see you you know i'm just thinking of like the guys who say i want to join a league and they go to cbs or fan tracks or anything like that and they see all these different types of drafts and like jim just made the motion like their head explodes like what can you kind of break down the two different draft styles yeah, you have your your snake style draft that you see in a lot of leagues where you know let's say it's one through ten and it goes backwards ten through one so on and so forth. That's what the and football guys the would be used to. That's pretty much regular. That's kind of what most people do. And then there's the auction. That's for the advanced people is what I would say because I don't even like going to the auction. That can sketchy. <laughs> you have you have to know the player pool. You need to know what you're doing in a big big way. I don't even do auctions that often. It's it's very advanced. So your recommendation? Right, people are just co- well, sorry. People sorry. Are coming into, people are coming into the auctions, then basically listed up, ready to rock and roll on, on say I, I know I'm in a 12 team or a 16 team league in an auction draft. I know who's going to be available, or well, I'm, I know how many people are going to get drafted if it's X amount of rounds. So they've already got a price. That they're willing to spend. Do they have like a salary cap on them? Is that the issue yep. with the auction leagues? <clears throat> Yeah, most of them go in with like a $260 budget. So that's your budget. Everybody starts out with the same budget. And you you can nominate anybody you want. You can nominate at any price you want. And some people love auctions because you can have a chance. Because like the best example, if you don't draft in the top three, you'll never get Mike Trout. Ever. Right. Yep. Right. In an auction, everybody has a chance for Mike Trout. Right. So it takes like ideas like that. You can get the guys you want. Build stars and scrubs, build balanced teams. Kind of depends on how you want to go about it. But um, when it comes down to auctions, it, it can be fast paced at times. Uh, there's different strategies. Recent podcast I had on episode 240 with Ariel Cohen, he is great at auctions. Like, great. And he did some awesome preview stuff there. We talked about a bunch of different ways to do auctions. I'd recommend listening to that if you uh, are interested in auctions because they are a lot of fun. I really enjoy them. But like even myself, if you're not on top of it, 
you're gonna get it'll come at you fast it, it's a different animal right i i we've been doing auctions in, in my league for probably about five or six four or five years i don't know something like that and um we um it, it is it is intense it is very much uh, like uh you know uh it's hard to say because, like, for example, like you were saying, the top three, uh, you know, you'll never get Mike Trout. You know, in, in, in a snake draft, 1-1 one, one is going to be Mike Trout or Acuna or someone. Whereas 1-1 one, one in our league as a, as a troll job was like um, – I forget it, Bubba Starling or somebody. Like it was, it was just like somebody messing around, you know. So it, it's always, it's a totally different approach. I agree with you. Um, I wanted to ask you too, because you know, for example, you talk about the draft, okay, and the different formats of drafting. Um, I wanted to ask you as somebody, okay, I've, I'm into it. I really want to get into fantasy baseball. The draft is so important. So can you talk about say? pre-draft okay like what's you know what's good draft prep what should you bring you know even like etiquette like what do you bring to a draft uh during your draft and then after the draft so okay could you start with like pre-draft yeah pre-draft like I, I do my own rankings but um not everybody does and i don't blame you. i didn't start doing that till about three or four years ago um one thing that i'd suggest because there's tons of great information out there a lot of really really smart people Find like one or two that you really like. Don't overdo it because then you start cross-contaminating different ideas and different players you like and don't like. Just find like one or two guys and stick with them. If it's websites, if it's guys, whatever, stick with that. Um, And then the biggest thing I suggest, I say it over and over again, is do mock drafts, do some best ball drafts, whatever you want. Learn the player pool. Learn learn ideas of if you have certain spots in the draft – can you afford to take this guy now? Should you wait? Are these guys coming back? Do your research in that respect. Like, how do you want your team to look? Because as you're going through your draft, you have to be able to adjust. If you're, say, you're targeting player A and it's three picks away and player A gets taken. Well, now you have to be able to adjust. And maybe you take a different guy with a different player profile. Like, you're going for power. This guy's more speed. So now you're going to make a power somewhere else. Know your player pools and how you can adjust throughout the draft. That's a very important thing to me because if you're looking around the available players and you know, like, I'll be good with, like, one of these four catchers, then don't reach on these four if you think, you know, the third one will get back to you or something. Go and get another commodity that's more important at the time. Stuff like that, which just takes practice. That's right. just one of those things. You can't just you can't just walk in with a draft book and expect to, to do it. Um, you can. You can have fun with that. I've had right. friends, especially in football, never played before to take the best available player next to you know they're winning the league. Right. Like anything's possible. Fantasy's that way. But um baseball's such a long season, and I've said it with any fantasy sport, you have to avoid injuries and you have to get lucky. That's just the bottom line. Like to win any fantasy league. But going with the proper draft prep, the draft is the most it's the funnest day of the year. Right. Like, oh, yeah. the best day. So so if, if you're if you prep properly and you're confident strutting into that room, even if it's online or in person, if per, in person is the best, but it's in the lives we all live these days, it's very complicated. But um if you can go into a draft confidently, you should leave pretty confident because you you know, I don't know about you guys, no matter what sports you're drafting, have you ever really left the draft feeling like you hate your team? Like, oh, every uh, not every year, but there have been years. Oh, so you're you're a glass half empty person. Yes, oh, I, I've walked away from every one of my single drafts going, "Damn, I put together a good team, right?" Exactly. I'm, uh, I am a hell of a GM. So yeah, yeah, exactly. and then and then the year plays out. It's such a long season, like you say, you got to avoid injuries. Um, striking it rich in some of your later rounds seems to be the the success that the. The guy that wins a championship ends up getting there, right? The guy that picked up a, a number four pitcher that turns out to be a number one, right? That, that's and, a big, big part, like you said, is you have to – and that's about knowing the player pool. Like Once you have your solid starters, maybe another bench guy here or there, then you have like you know four or five more reserve spots, go ahead and take those chances. That might be like one in a million because if they don't pan out – you're going to find someone on the waiver wire later in the year, so you can easily drop them. So it's one of those, don't become attached to your roster. Like, obviously become attached to Acuna and Trout. That, okay. Yes, yeah, Hold right. them tight like a loved one. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you're going out there and you're drafting, like Dylan Carlson's a big name for the Cardinals this year. We don't even know if he's starting right now. We, right. we want him to. He's an awesome prospect. He's a great, like, speed player. But we don't know. Harrison Bader might play 140 games. And then Carlson will stick in AAA all year. But right now when you're drafting him, at this point in time, it's all you can do. If it doesn't work, you drop him. 
So it's little things like that where knowing the player pool helps out because, like you just mentioned, there's going to be some guy that shows up out of nowhere and just, you know, becomes from, was a fourth starter is now like a number two or number one. You got guys that, you know, Adalberto Mont or Luis Arias last year. Right. Just came out of nowhere, hit three something. Jeff McNeil all of a sudden is hitting 20 plus homers. This stuff happens. So you never know. Right. Yeah. Now, when it comes to, you know, we we talk about the, the draft. Okay. You talked about, like, for example, player A comes up. <coughs> see, I'm not as I'm not as pro it's as I contagious. said. Yeah, it's see? Contagious. It's contagious. <laughs> so, you know, player A comes up and it's like, all right, it's, you know, this is the guy I'm waiting for. We've uh, Anyone who's done a draft has had this happen. This is the guy I'm waiting for. This is the guy I'm waiting for. Snap. The guy before you takes him. How do you, how do, what do you, there's two things during the draft that I wanted to ask you about. First off, the pitfalls of drafting your hometown players. And you're yeah. laughing because you know that, you know what that means. And um, also the, the panic, the panic button. Like, how do you combat the panic bug during the draft? Well, the, the, the panic bug, it goes back to my knowing the player pool. Like, if you, if your player gets taken, you should. If you're confident in your prep, you should be able to adjust. Like if you, you go through like the 30 seconds of grieving where you're like, darn it, that's the guy I wanted. Like, what am I doing here? But then you realize you got to get it back up off the floor and keep going. Like, that's just the way it's going to go. Because if you don't, then you pretty much are going to lose your draft real quick. That's just going to be one of those where it's going to be over. And next thing you know, you auto-pick somebody that's on the aisle already. Oh, um, so so it's, just, it's just how that one goes. Um, the hometown thing's always fun. Uh, I was in a league for a long, long time. Half of us are on the West Coast where I'm at. Half are on the East Coast. And they're back in Boston and New York. So, like, the Boston and New York players always go super early. And then, you know, the Giants would go super early on in, in another group. So if you're if you're drafting, say, like the 10th out of 12 and the next two guys are from Boston, you knew you could take, you could just wait on the West Coast guys because they're coming back no matter what because they're taking a Boston Red right, like, right. Little things like that also helps knowing your people. One thing I forgot to mention on the draft, say you're super busy and you don't know when you're going to fit one in. One of the newest styles that I started doing last year, and it's everywhere now, like I'm in three of them right now. Um, the fam- great fantasy baseball invitational is coming up soon. They're called slow drafts. Oh, that's and a good point. You do them online. You have two anywhere from two to eight hour clocks. You can draft anytime in that window, and it'll go to the next guy. But say you're busy. Say you're working. We all have lives. Like we, there's things going on. You can set up a queue that'll auto pick for you, or you'll get a notification on your phone that says you're on the clock, and you have you know x amount of time to make a pick. And you can take your time, do your research real quick. And make a pick. You don't have to sit there and just be glued to the screen. I get mine and I'll look, okay, these are the last six picks that went. Okay, here's what I need, blah, blah, blah. Make my pick. So you're not rushed all the time and you can kind of relax that way too. So will it take the time off for you to be able to sleep at night in that window too? Yes, though, you? yes. You, you, you can change the settings at all times. Usually on the West Coast, it's a little different for me, but it usually goes from like, I think it's like 10 o'clock Eastern to either like six Eastern. So there's a window where it just freezes and you can still make picks, but if you come up, the clock's frozen. Right. So it won't, it won't get you that way. And then it'll restart at six Eastern. So on the West coast, it restarts at three my time. So that makes it interesting, but usually the clock's long enough. I get up early all the time, so it doesn't matter. But um, yes, it will freeze at night. Another good perk of it. You don't get, you know, screwed over if you're sleeping like a normal human being. Right. Where are you? Where, uh, where am I supposed to find the slow draft? Right. I mean, I, I would assume Everywhere. that this isn't on. Is it on Yahoo? I don't know about Yahoo. I haven't played there. Okay. Well, I, I have some, but like Fantrax does it all the time. Yeah. NFBC, right. NFBC does them. I know CBS does them. So I would imagine they're now available everywhere. Um, and one thing I'll say, and it's not because I do work for them. I work for a lot of sites. Like, but Fantrax, if you if you want to start a league, it's the most customizable, friendly format you can find. And, and seriously, if you have any questions, come to find me on Twitter. I'll I'll help you with it. I can put you in contact with their guys. I, you can you can make it however you want. Yeah, like you, whatever stats you want, anything. I've been uh, we I've been using for the RAB Invitational. Um, we've been using fan tracks for for several years, and uh, I I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I like it. The customizability because we are a keeper auction league with special categories and carryover every year. Um, it, it, it's really helpful, and uh, for that sort of thing. You know, and like Bubba said, you can hunt him down on Twitter and ask him any questions. We gotta tell him where you'd find you though. So it's at B D E N T R E K. 
Yep, at BD and Trick. Uh, and then, and I, I respond to almost anybody I can. If not, I'll at least give you the like to let you know I, I saw you and I'll get back to you if it's a question. Otherwise, a like for thank you. Like, I really, I'm not one of those guys that just tries to like, ignore people. Like, if, you, if I don't answer, I'm busy. <laughs> you're easily one of the hardest working ones out there. You, you, you do. You pay attention to a lot of people. I, I see it from the way that I like to handle my account and seeing how you handle your account. You're always uh, engaging with with everybody and you're such a busy person on there. But yeah, you don't ignore people and it's one of my favorite things about you. It's, uh, it's, it's yeah, you know what you're talking about and you're willing to work with other people on it. So yeah, please, if you're, if you're listening to this, all 25 of you, yeah, <laughs> you check out Bubba. It's the um, for, sure, for sure a good guy. You know, there's there's there is one thing I actually, um, Jim. I guess that you would, we would call this like a like a mailbag question. Somebody did ask me like seconds before we came on today to ask uh, Bubba. You know, and I think this is a really good question um, for first timers. When do like and without getting too in the weeds, is there a, do you have a rule of thumb of picking hitters and pitchers? Uh, that's the that's the uh, burning question these days. Uh, we talk about it a lot on my Monday night show. I have, I'm joined by uh, Batflip Crazy Toby. He is a pitcher early guy. I am a kind of hitter early guy. Uh, the old in the old days, I like to sound like an old man. Like five six years ago, it was frowned upon to take pitching early. It was right. like you just don't do it. It's like don't take a quarterback in football type stuff. Right. Um, but but nowadays with like these elite, elite pitchers with the DeGroms, the Coles, these guys that are light years ahead of the next like wave of pitchers, they're game changers in fantasy. So it's one of those like the philosophy I've always said, no matter which way you do, because you can win both ways. If you're going to go pitching early, like Toby likes to do, double dip. Make sure you you really dominate those pitching categories. Don't just take like – you can take one again if you're familiar with the player pool. I did it uh, recently. I took Chris Sale on the third round. I didn't take another pitcher for the eighth round, and it worked out fine. But you really got to have confidence in your you picking the middle tier guys because they're more volatile. Right. That's the beauty of these really, really like if you can get Cole and then one of these other like top four or five guys, you just put your pitching staff so far ahead of the other guys in that respect. Now, if you don't, you're getting elite hitters that you're just gonna blow people out of the waters with. So that's where. There's really no right or wrong answer. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. And and I, I know it's like a broken record, but I, I do it on my show too. I say it all the time. Learn the player pool because right. it'll help you so, so much on how you can bob and weave. And so catchers, yes. right? Ooh. I mean, that's, that's, that's two, <laughs> another, that's, another big topic. Right? Yeah. Two out of three days, right? Yeah. I mean, day game after night game, adios. Um Hey, hey, what, what? I mean, is there a catcher that's worth taking in in the top ten rounds of, uh, say, a standard head to head? I mean, for is me, it that? For me, no. Um, really, not not Grandal, huh? Well, there's two ways to look at it because there's one catcher league and there's two catcher leagues. I think two catcher leagues. I, I don't like them. It's all the big leagues are doing that now, so I have to. But tell me what baseball game you play with two catchers. I don't know one. I right. really don't. So um, I, I don't do it. But um, if you're playing a two-catcher league, I will endorse taking a better catcher early because it's the same theory of taking pitchers early. Dominate the position because there's such a big drop-off after the Rio Mutos, Grandals, Gary Sanchez's of the world. It starts to drop quickly. Um, if it's a one-catcher league, I, I treat it like a kicker in football almost. I just right. wait because yeah. because the way you got to visualize it, like you asked about Grandal or Rio Muto in a one catcher league, they're really almost an obsolete. They're not obsolete, but they kind of are because when you're taking a Rio Muto, you could be taking a Giancarlo Stanton or someone like that. That their their stat level is so much greater than the replacement value of where you take your next catcher and that outfielder or something. So you got to kind of equip uh, equate those situations. Right. So you could easily find yourself, say, drafting every position fill out your roster almost completely and still maybe grab a bench player before you actually grab your starting catcher i just did a mock draft where there was 26 rounds and you start i think it was 21 players so you have five bench spots and there were six catchers drafted in the round 25th 25 or 26 right it's uh it's a it's a tough position, and so uh, you know what that could put you in a position is too is good catchers. A lot of times they can be trade bait through the season. Mm-hmm. So, and and that kind of leads me into my my question after the draft. Um, you know, can you talk a little bit about trade etiquette? 
among uh, among uh, leagues like just you know i know that's a loaded question but like what are some what are some just general first time in the league what are some general do's and don'ts what are some maybe some things to uh avoid um rule number one don't send an insulting trade offer to your opponent um, <laughs> you re- treat everybody like you're both smart human beings and don't throw the low ball offer out there. Like literally cut out the middleman here, throw an offer out there that you'd be good giving up the guys. Like it's, fa- it's pretty fair. There's always not both sides are rarely going to win in a trade. That's just the way it works. But you know, you, the good thing about fantasy baseball, you can trade for need more than actual name value. That's the thing is, as the season goes on, you know, a third of the, like two thirds of the way through the year, maybe you are just rolling in steals and you really need strikeouts and saves. So you can go trade a Mondesi for like a mid tier reliever and it's really not that big a deal. It looks pretty good. So don't send the insulting trades. That's like my biggest bugaboo. A lot of the times I won't even re- respond. I'll just cancel the trade. Like I just won't even deal with it because it's just like I don't want to do it. Um, and one thing to do is, Maybe don't just send the offer. Like start a a verbal like interaction with them. Go, hey, you know, I'm I need this kind of stat. You know, I see you need this kind of stat. Is there any way we can try to work out a trade? Stuff along those lines. Like build a friendship, build a a working arrangement. Like right. think about the real world. Like if you're working doing any business, you don't just walk into a place and go, hey, give me that. I'm going to give you this. You build a bond or a relationship in anything you do. So do something along those lines as well. Okay. But- well, you're supposed to be winning at all costs, right? I mean, <laughs> yes, this, this is the, true. Isn't the world online? I mean, that's I mean, that's the one thing that uh, drove me nuts about uh, playing more in, in my types of leagues where we don't have uh, expert-style players, right? We're very, very novice players. And all of a sudden, you do. You get that crazy offer, and it's like, it, it makes great sense to start that conversation first before you go to make an offer because it's like, well, you offered me something that wasn't even close, and then on top of it, it wasn't even a need of mine, right? Exactly. You know, go ahead and initiate a conversation, and then make a solid offer. I that's great advice. Well, and that's My how you that, that's how you keep people in your league too. Exactly. You know, that's how that you know one thing is set up a and, and sort of piggybacking off your point, uh, set up. A, an email chain set up uh, uh, you know nowadays I mean God, there's so many ways to do it you could you so could start slack discord you could do uh, just the the fan tracks has the chat box where you can send a group or private messages you know there's uh, we have a we have a Facebook at the you know we have a Facebook message group you know it's it's there's always ways to communicate and and it just makes the league more interesting it builds rivalries it's it's fun you know definitely definitely and, and that and again like you don't have to send the even trade i get what what uh, jim say like you you do want to win the trade i'm yeah. with you there yeah. <laughs> but um but like don't come in here saying give me mike trout for you know you know I don't even want like Brian Crawford. Like right. that's just that's not gonna that's not gonna fly probably really well. But um, I, I'm with you. If you want to like try to have a little advantage, go for it. But don't don't come in with a massive low ball on them either. Right. How soon in the middle of the season? I guess Will wouldn't be the middle of the season anymore, right? You probably reached maybe your fantasy teams, uh, your fantasy leagues draft uh, or trade deadline, and um, now you're sitting at a chance. You're lining up for the playoffs. Um, what are you aiming for in that position? I know just from novice wise, I kind of just set a little bit of a, a general rule for myself of looking for good players that fit my team. And then I find two that work. And then I just basically look and say, well, is one of these going to be in an active race down at the end of the season? And so that they're playing for something at the end of the year, instead of picking the guy that's, yeah, okay, he's great. He's got the same numbers, but he plays for the Orioles. He's going to be sitting every other day at the end of the season during my championship, right? Is there something that you do to help set yourself up, say, after your trade deadline? Yes, there's a lot of good tools for that, depending on what sites you like to use. There's um, there's a lot of places that write articles like on Saturday night, kind of like your week ahead. Look for guys that are going to be playing in Coors. That's always a good one. Yep. Uh, yeah. Look, or you mentioned Baltimore. Look for guys playing the Orioles because they give up home runs to everybody. Right. So um, things like that. Look for your pitchers that, um, you know, late in the year you want guys to start twice a week with uh, the way the scheduling goes. These started last year. Some, some guys really documenting it. You don't get as many two-start pitchers as you used to get. So when you have those guys, it's like super valuable because – if it's a good two-star picture, like you don't want to throw trashy two-star pitchers, 
But say you get two, that's like twice as many strikeouts. There's just all these stats they can accumulate so much more for you. So those are things you look at, especially come the postseason when you want to try to win your leagues, if you're in the head-to-head playoffs or whatever. You want to kind of scout ahead and see, okay, it's, it's just like football. I know I keep bringing it back to football, but I know so many people that play fantasy football come into baseball. It's like when you're looking to set up for the playoff run, you want this team's playing these easy matchups at the end or something. Same thing goes for baseball. Right, right. So, you know, so we've covered kind of, you know, the pre-draft. We've covered the draft. We've covered after the draft. You know, if you're a first-time player or you're a, um, you know, somebody who's coming over from football, you know, you may be familiar with some of these, but I kind of wanted to, to throw a few words out there, just words that, like, uh, again, I, I ran this by a friend of mine who doesn't do fantasy baseball, and he was like, I wish I knew what that meant. So, uh, but I just wanted to throw a few words out there to you and just give me like a quick layman's summation of what this, what this word means. Okay. Um, bust. Um, he did not meet his draft price. Disappointed greatly. Sleeper. Um, it's hard to find these days cause there's a lot of sharp people out there, but, um, later round draft pick that you believe like Dylan Carlson type thing. Sure. Uh, prospect. A minor league guy that you believe will have an impact this season, like Joe Adele. A spark. Spark. A a relief pitcher in your um, when you when you go to draft, he's under the relief pitchers, but he also starts. So like a Ryan Yarborough, uh, right. Dustin May in a lot of formats. So it's a starting pitcher as reliever. So you can put him in your relief spot, but you get starting pitcher stats, which can be very beneficial. In points leagues and daily roster moves. And Jim touched on this a little bit earlier, but position scarcity. That's a good one because uh, position scarcity, I'll keep trying to keep it simple here. So like second base, there's like six or seven really good second basemen, and then it drops off really fast. Where shortstop, there's like 22 guys that have no problem starting. So the scarcity at second base compared to shortstop, it varies from position to position. Um, like outfield leagues, you can have a three outfield league or a five outfield league. If it's a five outfield league, then the outfield gets a little scarce because the talent pool drops off faster. Where it's three outfielders, you can almost kind of wait on outfielders and get them later. So, again, it comes to, like, your league formats that way. But um, catcher's pretty scarce if you're doing two catcher leagues, so on and so forth. So scarcity is when position a certain position is not really that deep in quality talent. And uh, last one, uh, streaming players. Streaming players, it's kind of like the two-start pitcher idea that you pick them up to use them that week or because they're hitting in Coors or something. But they're like, okay, it's like when the Giants go to Coors, I'm going to go pick up Yastrzemski. And then when he's done with Coors, I'm going to put him back on the waiver wire because he goes to San Francisco. Right. You streamed him for that week. Right. Okay. Okay. No, that's perfect. So, so now we've tricked you to actually come on to our quote-unquote show, which was basically just your way of, uh, our way of getting you on here so that I can get information so I know what to do in my league. This is great. So, no, um, I, I mean, uh, you had, you've helped us figure out, you know, uh, you know, the, the best way to kind of come at league, even though, you know, as novice, as a novice that I am, um, there's so many different leagues though, right? I mean, we talked about it at the beginning, now, as a person that's covering it as a fantasy expert, how do you handle making your rankings for DFS leagues? Because, I mean, that's daily, everyday matchups galore. I'm sure you're covering that. Um, but you've also, you, know, you touched on maybe you kind of avoid the auction, but, I mean, are people still like us asking you about it, right? So... How, how do you keep up with rotisserie and head-to-head and everything else? Is I mean, do you have – I mean, is this it? I mean, did we find you're only half an hour that you're available, that you're not banging your head off the wall on fantasy sports? It's amazing. Uh, you, you ask questions like my wife asked me all the time. How do you do this? Um, yeah, and you're rank- married somehow? Yeah, I know. Um, it's it's um, the rankings are mainly like rotisserie, but you can you can transfer them to head to head basically because a lot of similarities will will come into play in those formats. And again, I, I'll ask me all the questions you want. I'll, I'll answer them for you. Um, now, when it comes to auction, one thing I do is I can put my rank my rankings or what you can put is your league format. And um, like Fangraphs has an auction calculator, which is outstanding. You basically punch your your league setups into it and you hit a button and it'll show like all the uh, auction prices for those players. 
now you can, can come over to like where my rankings are, put the prices by them so you know you know how much you should be bidding if you got them for cheaper or not and kind of get an idea, did you get a discount? You can take those even farther if you really want to with other projection sites and everything. That's just a whole nother uh, podcast on that situation. Right. But for me, for the most part, my, my rankings are for seasonal, mainly Roto with head-to-head twists. Auction-wise, you can still get an idea. It's just like, okay, I got a $260 budget. I, I want these guys ranked highest to lowest in theory. Now, DFS, different animal completely. I do a, sh- uh, a morning show Monday through Friday. I do like a half hour to go over the day's slate, kind of talk about good matchups and bad. That's just that's a whole other beast because you got to worry about the different price levels that day. Like some guys are expensive, some guys are cheap. Um, you only have a certain budget to spend on them. That's that's a different beast in itself. Can I can I ask you? You know, there is one thing that I meant to ask in the terms to know because I, this is like what uh, what um, kind of like what Jim was saying. There's so many different types of leagues. In about a minute or so, can you can you tell uh, can you explain why say to a first time or a novice player why di- the dynasty and keeper leagues are really cool and a lot of fun, but they're not if you're a beginner or novice they may not be for you. Yes, they're a, they're a blast because you get to hang out with minor league talent, which is awesome, and and you get your your guys. If if you're out of it that season, you can trade for the future. There's a lot of things you can do. If you're new, you just made a 600 player pool into like a 2,000 player pool, and so it just makes your life that much more complicated because you need to know like, hey, what single A players are good that I might draft late in the draft. Because now your draft isn't 26 rounds; it's probably 40 to 50 rounds. Um, it's just it's just a whole other beast. Stick to the early stuff. Learn your prospects later, and, and maybe jump into it there. I love dynasties and everything, but I still prefer the, the redraft season because it's just there's so much going on there these days. I just stick with that for now. Right, and uh, so. You know, the, our goal here is to kind of, you know, help educate some folks. Can you give, um, can you give a couple of late, you know, like a first time going into a draft, and can you, can you give a couple of sort of late round, like, boy, you're gonna look really, you know, you're gonna look really smart if you draft this guy in the late rounds. You got a couple leads for some of our listeners. Um, one thing I'll say is, don't be scared of drafting the old players. Just don't be scared because, like, Andrew McCutcheon's going super late. Um, Justin Upton, who was injured all last year, but before that was 30 and 100 year after year after year. He's healthy now. And, and Justin Upton, like, goes really late. So you can have fun with that. Dylan Carlson will be a flashy name, so you don't need to go there. But there's um, some really interesting one pitching-wise. Like, Steven Matz is almost going not drafted in drafts. Uh, if you want to roll the dice and hope this year's the year, Ronaldo Lopez, I'm a big fan of that. I think like the talent levels there, the picks, the pitch mix change in the second half was outstanding. Just keep the ball in the ballpark, please. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I could I could go down a long list like position by position, but I don't want to take up your entire show. But there's there's a lot of of good uh, later round options if you really need to get weird. Awesome. Well, you know, hey, uh, Jim, you got anything else? Man, I, I'm I'm overloaded already. Right now, I'm gonna go. <laughs> Now I got to go reset my league, right? That's step one. I know uh, I work with one of the guys that's been playing in it forever, right? So I got hit up about what two weeks ago, and I still haven't gotten around to setting it up. But now I'm like ready to set it up and like get the draft going probably next week, so that so I much fun, guys. Yeah, hit it while I'm fresh, right? This is a it's such a great way to be able to you know get with friends, uh, even meet new people. I mean, there's there's people that are now um, that are I mean I know on Twitter now that I played fantasy baseball with it just accidentally signed into my league right because we needed people so we just opened it up to public and just begged for a good manager right and now it's somebody that i know on twitter when i didn't even have a twitter account back then so it's amazing where it leads to so uh, it's a wild wild place out there so bubba one last one last thing before we before we go um one um uh, one tip for for anyone who is uh, looking to start a league what what is the what is the one most fun like what is a tip to make a league fun like and engaging 
fun and engaging. Um, have consequences for finishing at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I keep it civil, but you can get creative as well. Like, don't make a guy get a tattoo on his forehead. But right. um, I've seen a lot of goofy things, and at, at worst, it makes it makes them keep playing. So that's the worst thing. Baseball is so long. It runs into football season, so if a team's out of it, they change their mindset and they go to football, and it kind of ruins it for part of the league. And I get it, but if there's consequences, they have to keep focused, That's and right. that makes it fun. Awesome. So that'd be that'd be my biggest thing, because again, to where we all started, it needs to be fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for yeah. those for those listeners, uh, the uh, the romantic about baseball, the RIB Invitational, uh, we'll be doing a lot. We'll be doing uh, our live draft uh, at spring training in late March, and uh, I'll be I will be broadcasting from I'll be from there uh, for the show. Uh, Bubba, uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on. And uh, man, it just—I'm uh, really hoping that you know we've gotten some new, some new blood, some new life into into the fantasy baseball world here. No problem at all. Anytime you guys want to chat fantasy baseball, regular baseball, baseball is my passion. So I can sit and chat it all day long. Anytime, come find me on Twitter. I'll chat it up with you at BD and Trick. And I know you're not overly busy during the the season or anything like that, but. Uh, maybe there's a chance I can uh, get you to join my MLB Survivor League this year. I don't yeah, think I got know. you. I don't think I got you into it last year, but you know how the survival football works. Same yes. thing for baseball, right? Instead awesome. of being out, outscoring your team by the week uh, in football, it's outscoring your opponents in runs. So, oh, sweet. I'm, uh, I'll, I'll gonna hit you up. Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let me know. Awesome. Thank thank you so much. And yeah, uh, we will you. be we and uh, guys, we will be back. Um, Jim and I will be back on the eleventh. We'll have we'll be joined by the baseball Brit. You can find us at Adam C Mac. And you can find me at, at Passin Jim. You, and can, you can find Bubba at B D E N T R E K. And make sure to check out his podcast, Benched with Bubba. It is a bomb show the man knows what he's doing and you gotta check it out if you're if you're listening to this get on with us thank thank you so much guys